You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by Outdoor Edge. Now, Outdoor Edge is a knife company. We all know that. They offer a complete line of fixed blade knives, replaceable blade knives, and game processing kits, right? So any blade you need to break down an animal, these guys have it. Now, the cool thing about their replaceable blades is let's say you are in the middle of breaking down an animal and the blade goes dull. The only thing you have to do is push a button the blade pops out, you put a new blade in, it locks in tight, and you're back to breaking down that animal. You get it cooled down, you get it back to the truck faster, and you get more meat in the long run. So if you want to find out more information about all the blades, fixed, replaceable, and game processing kits that Outdoor Edge makes, visit their website, OutdoorEdge.com, and if you want to save 30% on your purchase, enter the discount code NATION30, that's N-A-T-I-O-N-30, and that's OutdoorEdge.com. This is the Houndsman XP Podcast. Good dog, get that bear. Get that bear in here. The original podcast for the complete houndsman. The podcast that represents our lifestyle of extreme performance. Get up there! Yeah! 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 Good boy! Good boy, Ranger! Uniting houndsmen across the globe, from east to west, north to south. You know, if you're going to catch a cat or a lion, you know, you have to have teamwork. We take you to the wildest places on earth. Yeah, so how many, day, how many days a week do you spend on As much as I can, to be honest with you. Anytime that I get, I'm, I'm out there. Join us for every heart-pounding adventure on Houndsman XP. I'll tell you like I tell everyone else, I'm going to hunt whether you're here or not, so you might as well be here. <laughs> In this episode of the Houndsman XP Podcast, we have got Stick Bow Outdoors. Mr. Bart Hogg joins us on the podcast, and we talk about hunting hounds in Virginia, and we also preview a very cool new item for you to increase your uh, level of houndsmanship. We're talking about the hound log from Stickbow Outdoors, and we're going to get into all the parts of this thing and tell you why it's important that you are uh, using this piece of gear. And also, we have the uh, the other new book. We're going to discuss that re, uh, briefly, and that is the the uh, records book, Canine Records from Stickbow Outdoors. 
So very appreciative to Bart for coming on the podcast this morning. And we appreciate Bart being partners with us at Houndsman XP. If you go to his website at stickbowoutdoors.com and at checkout, you order these two books and at checkout, you enter the code Hounds XP, and you will get 10% off of your purchase on these two books. So can't tell you how important these books are for you. Uh, they ought to be in your truck. This this logbook ought to be in, uh, the hound log ought to be in the console of your truck so you can record every hunt. I guarantee you're going to see a big difference in the quality of your pack and the success of your hunts. So again, that code is capital H-O-U-N-D-S, capital X-P, at checkout, get 10% off. Hey, also, if you're a Patreon member, we sent you a code for 20% off. Another great reason to be a Patreon supporter, and you can find out how to become a Patreon supporter for as little as $1 a show at houndsmanxp.com. Go to support the podcast, click on that button, it'll take you right to our Patreon page. So we need your sponsorship. With your sponsorship, this is what you're going to be entitled to or what you're going to get out of the deal. You're going to make sure that we keep producing a high-quality podcast that supports the lifestyle of houndsmen across the United States and across the globe. But you're going to get 20% off at Stickbow Outdoors. You're going to get 20% off at Paws Are Protected. You're going to be included in monthly drawings. If you come in at the $8 level, you're going to be included in every monthly drawing and a semi-annual drawing, which is going to be a bigger prize package. If you come in at $12, if you're a truck-to-tree dog, that category, you're going to be included in monthly drawings, semi-annual drawings, and a huge annual drawing. Another thing that we're doing is we're going to start running profiles of our Patreon members. You're going to be featured. Somebody from our Patreon support list is going to be featured every month telling our community who you are and what you do. This is a community of houndsmen that have taken the extra step to say, hey, I want to support what Houndsman XP is doing. I want to support our lifestyle. So join us on Patreon. I want to shift gears a little bit and I want to talk to you about Freedom Hunters. If you're contemplating hosting a Freedom Hunters event this year, it is imperative. I am not organized enough to be able to juggle a message, uh, Facebook Messenger, text messages, three email accounts, or four email accounts actually is what I have. And so I need for you to contact me at houndsmanxp at freedomhunters.org. Again, that is houndsmanxp at freedomhunters.org. And let me know you're interested. When I get your email there, I'm going to put it in a spreadsheet. I'm going to send you a pre-adventure form. Help me get organized, folks. I need it. Uh, when things come in on Messenger and direct message through Instagram and stuff, it's just hard for me to keep track of everything, and then you lose all of that information too. So hit me up at houndsmanxp at freedomhunters.org. Next thing I want to talk to you about is Paws Are Protected and dogs are treed. Paws are protected. Build your pack from the ground up. This is not a, a, a thing that you put on the dog's feet 
and and the day you hunt you've got to start that preconditioning once you get a dog's foot in condition then you add this it adds elasticity to the pad you're going to reduce injury uh, a lot of things coming in from paws are protected people are sending messages in and saying that you know this stuff has healing properties so it should be in your pack it should be in your kit uh, if your dog gets a scratch or, or a cut, you can actually use Paws or Protected to heal that up. So this is revolutionary type stuff. And uh, if you will become a Patreon member, we will send you a code for 20% off of Paws or Protected and everything that dogs are treated is offered. So we're talking hats, we're talking uh, coffee mugs, we're talking shirts, sweatshirts, hoodies, all of it. If you're a Patreon member, you're going to get a code for 20% off of everything at Paws Are Protected and Dogs Are Treat. Build your pack from the ground up. Hey, as always, folks, we appreciate your time. You've listened to me go on long enough here in this pre-roll. I want you to enjoy this podcast, and thanks for spending your time with us at Houndsman XP. So I'm drinking, I'm drinking a lot of coffee this morning. This is earlier than what we normally record podcast but uh, uh you and i are both usually working by this time of day i i think so it's not that yes, early sir. it's not that early for us so it's kind of nice to be able to sit back and and uh drink some coffee and and talk to a bear hunter from virginia absolutely yep. yeah i've had like four cups already so so you're you're all keyed up you're all keyed up oh man I'm jacked up, yes sir. You're sitting on dead ready, ready to roll this thing out. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> well, I got Bart Hogg with me today, uh, and Bart is the creator and producer of a couple pretty cool items that uh, houndsmen need to have in their their truck and in their libraries. But the first thing is uh, uh, this, and you're the founder of Stick Bow Outdoors, is that right, Bart? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. How did that all come stick about? Outdoors. How... Uh, the stick, the stick bow, uh, the stick bow outdoors is just uh, stick bow is actually a handle that I got when I first started bear hunting. Uh, I shoot a recurve bow and a long bow, and, uh, and I had it on my license plate, stick bow. Oh, so, really? Okay. Oh yeah, and I still have it, but uh, that's been years ago, and we was hunting one day and. Some guys that was tracking dogs just come on the radio and said, "Is is old stick bow there?" And they was like, uh, "Come up, Bart." <laughs> I said, "Yeah." <laughs> so and it just stuck, you know, and and uh, stick bow just stuck with me ever since. So, that's a lot better than a lot of handles I've heard come across the radio. Yeah, and I guess I could have been called a whole lot worse names, but you <laughs> know, I guess you know, find me, but yeah. Really. Yeah, it's uh, it's funny how these these handles and nicknames get hung on people, and you never end up with the one that you want. You know, it's not your choice. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yeah, I've heard some good ones. Uh, I remember a guy that used to hunt with us. They started calling him Tinkerbell, so I'm pretty glad that uh, <laughs> I got stick bow instead of Tinkerbell. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, anyhow, it's pretty funny. But archery runs really deep in my family. My dad ran an archery shop for years. So, you know, archery is pretty deep in my family. That's where I got my roots of hunting. So, yep. Whereabouts are you from, Bart? Tell the, tell the audience where you're from, and then we'll, we'll get into some of this book and, and uh, some of I'm that from, stuff. 
I'm from the big town of Bedford, Virginia. Uh, it's right in between Roanoke and Lynchburg. Okay. Uh, if you know where that is. So close to, close to Liberty University. You lived in that area your whole life? Uh, yes, sir. Yeah, I'm, I've, I've grown up here. I, I was actually born in Hampton, Virginia. Uh, and uh, my family moved here when I was uh, just a little boy. And I grew up here. And I'm the only one in my family, it sounds like this. So I was raised in the mountains. <laughs> <laughs> you, but, uh, you, you say you're the only one that sounds like you? That's me. That's, I'm the only one that sounds like I'm the only one in my family that talks like this. All the rest of them, you know, they don't have that accent, that drawl like I have. But what do well, they sound like? Know. A lot of my people work the waters. Uh, they were oystermen and, and fishermen and all that stuff, you know, from from Hampton, Virginia, Newport News. and So they, they all just sound like, a, I guess, a regular person, <laughs> You could say, but <laughs> I'll tell you what. It's like funny. I told you earlier, you know, I kind of sound like a banjo string when I talk, but it's okay. I've been accused of that myself. I came from central Indiana and then uh, moved down here to southeast Indiana. I've been here for about 30 years. And uh, my family's has commented about the way my accent has changed and, and different things over the years. We're, we're right on the Ohio River, so we look at you know, Kentucky's a stone's throw away if you got a good arm across that Ohio <laughs> River. But uh, we look at yeah. it every day, and and we've got a mixture here. We're in Kentucky a lot, and and a lot of a lot of bleed over. But I'll tell you that it's funny how that Ohio River really is a uh, it's a barrier. Uh, you can be in Rising Sun and sound like you're talking to somebody from Indiana. As soon as you get across, I mean, you can see it and get across that river. And all of a sudden, you realize you're in Kentucky just from the way people talk. That's funny. Yeah. 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 It's 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 neat how how those certain places bleed into you. You know. Yeah. And uh, it's it's pretty neat actually. So. Yeah, I had to translate. Uh, I I was a head translator when uh, we sent a detail when Katrina hit uh, the Gulf Coast down there. Then we sent a detail down. We took boats and we boat patrolled and we did all this other stuff, uh, did rescues or, or uh, you know, relief work and, and stuff like that. And they sent me up the Pascagoula River. We were working out of Gulfport, Mississippi. And uh, the, they all wanted me to ride up the Pascagoula because I was the only one that could translate for them, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so. Kind of like is that the, the wind talkers? Yeah, I think so. It was one of those deals. It's like, we need to take Chris with us because he's the only one that understands what they're talking about. <laughs> we met a guy down there. We were on the Pascagoula River, and we were, we were coming down through there, and this guy comes down. He had two, uh, two walker dogs in the front end of a probably a 14-foot plywood boat, and they still make their own boats down there on, the, on that river and stuff, and it's, uh, they got a lot of cypress knees back in the, in the glades and, and different stuff in the swamps back there but he came out here and he's got two walker dogs with him he's coming down the down the river and and i just had to flag him down you know and uh introduce myself his name was mark smith and he started talking and uh i had a gal with uh, a female officer with me that was from the northern part of up by chicago that part of indiana and uh-huh. she just absolutely was having a fit because we were talking about dogs and and Mr. Smith says, 
You know, I ain't got the best dogs I ever had, but I got the most best dogs I ever had. <laughs> and uh, he said, <laughs> she looked at me, and after he pulled away, she goes, I couldn't understand a word you two were saying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember when I first met my wife, she had a roommate, and uh, after her roommate met me, uh, my wife told me, um, I don't know, a couple of weeks later, she was like, yeah, she was wondering uh, where you were from, if you were from another country. <laughs> I was like, is it really that bad? So It doesn't sound like you're but, from Australia or anything, you know, I, no, I'm pretty sure no. I know where you're from. <clears throat> yeah, I don't think she, had, that was the, I don't know how, why she asked that question, but I thought that was, that was the only time I've ever been asked that question, so. Well, you know, and if now, you think about it, if you think about it, Bart, uh, you live right there in kind of the cradle of civilization for the American hound, you know, Virginia, yeah. George Washington, a lot of colonists and, and things that settled in Virginia brought those hounds with them and they were fox hunters, but that's where our hounds came from more or less, you know, that region. And even the plot hound, you know, uh, Johannes Plot. Yeah, landed. But I, didn't he land in Virginia when he got off the boat? Uh, I don't know if he was landing in Virginia or North Carolina. You know, the coast runs. I don't know where he landed, to be honest with you. But, uh, I thought yeah, he landed in right. Virginia. I'll do some I'll do some research. But even, even at that, you know, Virginia, North Carolina, it's a same. At that time, it was it was probably, I don't know. I think Virginia was, um, I'm testing my history recollection here but north carolina may have been its own colony at that time it might have been you know you might you might be right there but virginia there, be, go ahead I, go ahead you're fine uh, i was just going to say virginia stretched all the way from the coast all the way over into kentucky and and uh took him a small part of ohio at the time people don't realize how big the virginia territory was until it started getting broken up so yeah yeah <clears throat> yeah yeah that was uh it's just i think it's so neat how how they got here and just you know landed roots and they you know they had no idea that they were going to be talked about for ever no. <laughs> you know people like him you know that right. they came here and found you know their plot dog you know Vaughn was probably just just like us you know just came here and made a life and you know, had some good dogs or whoever, whatever dog you want to talk about, you know, and it's just pretty neat the legacy that falls behind that. Right, it's, right. It's just another man's dream, you know, and that's, and, and we're still living in their dream, you know. Right. Yeah, that's a good point. That's oh, a good yeah. point. Yeah, we're still, we're still living their dream because it's, you know, it's the desire of their heart. They followed it. You know, it takes a lot of faith and a lot of courage. and It's pretty neat that we're living their dream out, if you think about it, so. Can you imagine, can you imagine living in Germany and deciding I'm going to America and I'm taking, yeah. and I'm taking some plot and I'm taking some of these hunting dogs with me and I'm going to settle yeah. and I'm whatever possessed him to take hunt, hunting dogs with him, you know, bring those, bring those plots with him. What do you think? I guess, I guess it was just him, you know, I mean, you know, if we, if, if, if me or you up and move somewhere, we're going, we're going to take what we love with us too. You know, yeah. uh, I guess he, you know, he decided if I'm going, they're going with me. So, you know, I've heard that he paid a pretty substantial amount of money 
to bring those original plot hounds with him uh, over here because he had to pay fare on those dogs just like because they took up space so they charged for the space and uh, he had to actually pay a pretty good sum of money to get those dogs here with him so it was a major it not only was it the uh, you know a major decision to move halfway across the world but he's using using money to make sure that those dogs came with him that that tells me that guy was hardcore oh yeah absolutely you know times are so different then you know not that money's easy to come by now but i mean you gotta think things back then were you know it took a man to make it back in and uh for him to do that and shuck that money out to make sure that he did get over here with these dogs you know it it's hard to tell what that took, you know, or what he sacrificed or, or whatever, you know. Well, his brother died on the way. His oh, brother, I didn't realize that. Yeah, his brother died in route on the way over here. So, you know, he set out with your brother. You got these big dreams of making a life. And, and between here and across the big pond, the only person you yep. know is dead. Yeah. And he still stepped off the still stepped off the boat. And still made a life for himself in, in uh, the mountains of North Carolina and, and gave us a great breed of dogs, to of hunting Absolutely. dogs to bring with, you know, he brought them with him. So, man, yep. what a story. If you ever get a chance, I, uh, you should read, uh, have you ever read Bob Plot's works, Strike and Stay? My or? wife, yeah, my wife got me that book for Father's Day this past year, and uh, I haven't got into it yet. Right now I'm reading another one, but. What are you uh, reading I'm right now? To reading it. Uh Trained by trained by him. Oh, by uh, Ed Vance. Story. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Uh huh. Yep. And yep. Uh, I'm about done with it. That's that's a good read. Yeah. Yeah. So I've really enjoyed that. Yeah, it's good stuff. Well, tell me about your hunting. What kind of hunting you do out there in Virginia? We've talked about it off air, but just kind of tell our listeners, you know, what trips what trips stick bows trigger with those. Oh, I, I love the bear hunt. You know, I I coon hunt. You know, in, in the in, in the wintertime when, when season's out, I coon hunt a little bit. I got several dogs that go both ways. and uh, But I don't coon hunt a, a pile. I wouldn't call me a, a great coon hunter, but I go out and tree a few coons. Just something to do, but uh, I'm all about bear hunting, and I work with the dogs a lot. and uh, just, I love it. You know, I love running hounds. It's just something that I started and got into, and I can't get rid of. I don't want to get rid of it. <laughs> So right. I just enjoy it, you know. Yeah, so yes, so bear hunting in Virginia, is it like, uh, do you hunt with a group of people? Yeah. Yeah, we got a few guys, you know. Uh, I've had, uh, you know, over the years, uh, started out small or by myself and then get bigger. And, you know, a lot of people start hunting around. And then, you know, they kind of disperse. And, you know, you go through things. But, you know, i got a couple guys I've been hunting around since I started and uh, uh, one of them's an older fella and you know he pretty much really guided me and uh, you know he's a, probably one of the best houndsmen that I've ever hunted with and you know he just you don't you don't teach classes when you're with people like that you, you listen and store it in your mind to what they're doing and, uh, what made, I, it, what I, made I, him I, a great houndsman in your opinion what made him a great houndsman uh, I would say he's just extremely smart and he looks at he looks at he looks at hunting at all different angles, and some of the things it's really simple, you know, uh, that you don't think about. He thinks about, I don't know, but he's just, he's a determined guy that, that's really, that's really, uh, 
it just gets it done. I mean, he's the kind of guy that can go to a pound and it don't matter what it is, you know, just some old hound and he'll make it something. You know, some people just have that golden touch and mm-hmm. he's just one of those people. He just, he get, he's got patience with a dog and that's what it takes a lot of times, you know, especially somebody like this guy here. He has no big breeding program or anything, but he's just one of these guys that can take whatever he wants and he just works with them and works on them and, you know, he's just got a lot of patience and uh, perseverance. So, you know, that's, but he's getting older now. And, want, he, and he started bear hunting back when it was, you know, no, it was it was tough. You know, you just drop a whole lot of dogs off and put people on stand and, you know, say three Hail Marys and hope you find a bear, you know. <laughs> and yeah. That's just the way it started. So, old school. Yeah. I, I, I often wonder how many dogs I've had in my past. You, you mentioned a key word there in... in dog dog training and being a houndsman and that's patience uh with the dogs especially um uh, patience is a virtue as they say but i just often wonder how many how many young hounds i got as puppies that could have made phenomenal hounds because i wasn't patient enough in my earlier earlier days and i'm still not i'm still not flush with patience i you know i'm i'm better than what i ever have been and hopefully i continue to develop that but i have you ever thought about that? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I've thought about that. Look, looked at the dogs over the years that I've had. That you know, we we want to be microwave bear hunters. You know, we want to, you know, we want to want it easy and fast, and uh, and it just takes time. That's a and, good uh, term, microwave bear hunter. I'm gonna use that if you don't oh, mind. Yeah. I'll tag you. Oh yeah. That, but you know, that's that's kind of the way. That's the way the world is with everything. You know, we want to nail and right now but you know it just takes time you know and i and i've learned over the years too that uh you can't always compare what what this dog was doing at this age to to what this dog's doing now and say well he's not gonna make it or whatever because i've had some late bloomers now now i'm not i'm not gonna let a dog sit around until they're three years old and say man he's really started good and eventually he'll come on but i'm not one of those people but uh you know, some dogs just—they're just like adults. You know, they mature certain ages, and it's taken me a long time to learn that. You know, and uh, some are later, and some are faster. Of course, we like the ones that start faster. Yeah. And that—you know—and that also all falls back to uh, genetics. You know, you gotta—you gotta keep the keep the right keep the right hand that you like, and you know the right breeding, and it takes a lot of the work out of it on you. You know. What do you like? What do you like in a hound, Bart? Tell us what you like in a hound. You're hunting plots, is that correct? Yes, sir. Well, I mean, you know, I've always I've heard this statement a lot, and it's true. You know, you hear a lot of people say, "Well, well, I like a cold nosed dog, or I like a fast dog, or I like uh, a smart dog." You know, you hear all kinds of things that people love in a dog. Most time, it's cold nose. Everybody wants a cold nosed dog, cold nosed dog, you know, and gritty. Well. Mm-hmm. To me, I like a dog. I like, you know, if they don't have the heart to do that, I like a lot of heart, and I like grit, and I like speed, and, and I like nose, just like everybody. But it all falls back to that drive, you know, and, and what they want. And that's where the genetics part come in, you know. And if they got the desire to do that out the gate, you know, you don't want a dog you got to teach to hunt. So if you got that desire right away, you know, it helps a whole lot to, to have that program and that genetics to most of the time they figure it out on their own without you killing yourself for, you know, three years of 
hard labor. Yeah, I, I, or too late, you know. Facebook Facebook pops up a lot. You know, I follow a lot of different hound groups, and I see a lot of posts about nose, and I see a lot of posts about grit and and different things. But I think I think you're spot on. You know, if the dog doesn't have the drive, that nose is linked to that that instinct, that prey drive to use that nose. If he doesn't have the prey drive, he's not going to have the uh, the motivation to try to figure that out, you know, figure out and use yeah. that nose. Uh, you get a yeah. dog with a high prey drive and he knows, you know, he can take the least amount of scent and then turn it into something. Or at least, uh, yeah. you know, it, it, he can he can move a track or he'll figure it out if, if he's if he's got that combination of, of drive and brains and and things like that, but I th I think we we try to pigeonhole these different traits that a dog has, and then uh, inexperienced breeders will breed. You know, I want a colder nosed dog, so they throw everything else to the curb to try to find a colder nosed dog, or I want a dog with more grit, or I want a better tree dog, and and we're seeing that a lot. I hear a lot of people talking about that in our modern hounds about. You know the inability to run track and too much tree, and especially in the coonhound world. So oh yeah, absolutely. You know, and I've learned too about you know everybody, especially in the bear hunting world. They a lot of people they want a dog that's that's gritty. You know that'll that'll you always hear the saying, you know, man, this dog right here really pull hair. You know, and that's that's great. You know, and it's good to have a gritty dog, and I I like them too. I like them to stick with a bear, but you know, I learned a long time ago too that. It's a fine line there on breeding for grit because if you breed too much grit, then the bear takes care of them, you know, and they right. don't last. And if you don't breed enough grit, then you don't like them. So, you know, it's you kind of got to take that and hope that the genetics part of that runs its course through that to where they got sense enough to, to be about where they need to be, you know. And yeah. I've had both. You know, I've had both of where some really good dogs that I'd like to have back now and didn't make it to two and a half years old you know because they were kamikazes you know and, right uh and i and i yeah they were great dogs but i wish they'd have been smart enough to go you know this hurts you know yeah. let's back up a little bit you know so there's a it, there's a balancing act there for sure absolutely i don't make enough money to to hunt you know kamikaze dogs uh, you know, for the vet bills and and things like that, you can you can rack up a lot of money in a in a real short amount of time with dogs that absolutely are, that are kamikazes. Plus, I mean, our bear seasons are so short. You get yeah. a young dog that's you know, it's like man, this is going to be the one. This is going to be the one, and then he goes in there and he gets in a major wreck, and now he's laid up for the rest of the season. And you just take you just he's just taking himself out of the game for the entire season. So. Oh yeah, yeah. I used to always say I, I, I pay the light bill for the vet's office, <laughs> and, uh, and you know that's that sounds great, but in, in reality, you know it's it's kind of rough on your pocketbook, and it's it's rough on you, on your on your pack too. You know, I've seen times where I've had, you know, eight or nine dogs here, or ten dogs, or whatever <laughs> here at the house in the middle of bear season, and only have two or three to hunt. You know, and you're sitting there scratching your head, going, "Man, is it really that bad?" <laughs> Right. You know, so, well, how much so grit? Gotta, how much grit do you like, Bart? I mean, what's your, what's your measuring stick on that? Uh, well, that's what I'm gonna say. It depends <laughs> on your measuring stick. And my measuring stick is, you know, I like a dog that'll, 
that are that bay pretty tight, but I like them to have sense enough to 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 know when to back off. But I, I like them to stick with the bear and put enough pressure on, you know, just enough to, to either make them go up or hold them one or the other, you know, bay them up so we can get in there. But uh, that's a hard question to answer. How much grit do you like? Cause, you know, of course, we all want the, the perfect amount, and it, it never is that, you know, in, in none of the dogs. But uh, I like them just enough to keep enough pressure on them to for them to handle the bear, you know, and and, st- and can I say safely? <laughs> I don't know if that's we can use that word in grit or not, but uh, I just like them enough to, you know, to keep pushing. Right, right. Keep pushing and stay in there. I don't want them to leave a bear, you know. I don't want them to come off of it because it, it got heated. But, you know, mm-hmm. then again, I don't want them to, to go diving on top of them going, hey, I'll do this by myself. Right. So, well, describe where you're hunting. I mean, describe the landscape. Describe the, the vegetation you've got there in, in your area of Virginia. Uh, we, of course, we're hunting out of the, the Blue Ridge Parkway here uh, in Virginia. And, you know, some of the mountains are, are pretty rough. Uh, some of them are terribly rough. And then some of them are pretty easy landscape, you know, just uh, rolling hills. But some of them are just rock bluff. It's kind of a mystery, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it, and there's as far as food mass and stuff here, you know, it's just plenty of acres and uh, stuff to feed on and but uh it's a lot of it's a lot of rocks and a lot of uh ivy thickets and uh some of it's pretty nasty you know and uh kind of like the mountains of north carolina i guess you can compare mm-hmm. virginia's mountains to that you know it's just a lot of mountain some of it's rough oh a lot of mountain low yeah we call them ivy thickets or uh i have heard guys call them ivory thickets yeah. around here but you know but yeah it's just a lot of mountain low and pretty thick in some places but you know it's nothing like the coast you know where it's briars over your head and you know not that it's been clear cut or something but right it's pretty open woods you know open yeah. timber yeah it's open timber for for you if you're if you've got a choice yeah. between hunting coast or you got choice of tackling mountains uh that coast can be a pretty I mean, you gotta get down and crawl so, through some of those tunnels down in that that country. Yeah, that's yeah. why those bears get so remember, big down there. Oh yeah, I remember the first time I ever hunted the coast. I had a guy tell me, he said, "You better take some gloves with you and a long sleeve shirt." You know, this is in springtime. I said, "Man, I'm not wearing all that down there. It's hot." Right. I got down there. I was looking for some, I was looking for a long sleeve and some gloves. And I got down there. <laughs> yeah, I have never. I've, the only thing I've ever seen is just videos of, of guys you know hunting the coast i i had an opportunity to go i thought i had a, a a contact down there that was in charge of a big big farm poultry farm and uh i just never followed up on it to bear hunt down there i might have to i might have to try that again and see what we can come up with and you know i can run down there to to do some bear hunting maybe absolutely it's it's a different world down there you know and uh I've always said when I, I haven't hunted down there in three or four years, I kind of quit but going down there because it's so much to keep up with. And it's so expensive to keep the lease and, you know, buying food and everything down there for the for the bear. But uh, it's, it's definitely a different game down there. I, I've yeah. never seen anything like it. Hmm. And uh, and I tell people all the time, if you, if you want to see some crazy big bear and, you know, the thickest mess you've ever seen in your life, and 
you need to go to the coast of North Carolina and experience it at least <laughs> once, you know, because it's rough. I was down there at Camp Lejeune, and I can tell you that's that's my time in uh, the coastal areas of North Carolina. I mean, you can't you can't even fall into it and get through it, you know. No. The sure. funny thing is, the first time we were ever down there, I, I remember uh, I struck a bear and, and put down on it, and the guys I was with, uh, they were out checking some some other spots and the baits and stuff, and uh, I put down on it, and uh, I packed it up and got everything going really good, and they got it caught, and you know, I know it was a couple of hours, and they had it caught, and we stopped on the side of the road, and it was, a, it was like, I can't remember if it was a, like a peanut field or well, but it was it was early in the morning, like it was still dark. And the guy we was with, he said, "Oh, you can walk in there." He said, uh, "It's not too bad. He just cut through that field right there. And, uh, you'll be here in no time." I think the dogs were like 400 some yards off the road. Mm. So we go across this little field, and it was, it was okay. And we started these woods, and we're on our hands and knees. And I'm going, "Man, alive! Are we ever going to get to the dogs?" I can hear him singing in there. We was getting close, and I told my buddy, I said, hey, man, look, it's getting clear. You can, you can see the sky. I said, These, we're going to be able to stand up in just a second. Right. And we was going out through there, and we, went, and we got in this opening, and I stood up and looked, and it was green, stagnant water as far as I could see. It was just a big <laughs> swamp. And I said, are you serious? And the dogs was like 200 some yards out there, and we had to wade out in that mess and to the dogs. and They were caught, and man alive, it was just bubbles and you know, you're thinking about snakes. And <laughs> yeah, things that'll get you. I mean, this is this is fun. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, that was. Yeah, this is fun. Pretty, you know. Yeah, it was really. We threw our clothes away when we come out of there. They were so nasty and stinky from that swamp water. We just threw the clothes. We threw ours away when we got back to the hotel. <laughs> you know, if anybody ever asks us to to do that for work, you know. Yeah. We, we'd laugh at them. We'd go out there and chase these hounds around, you know, and think, oh, yeah, this is part of it. And if, 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 if your boss told you you had to do stuff like that to earn a paycheck, you'd find a new job. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I used, to, I used to think all the time, you know, I said, man, why in the world does anybody want to play golf? Them people are crazy. I don't understand chasing that white ball around. But, uh, you know, if they ever came and seen what we do, they'd think, uh, you're the crazy one. Oh, absolutely. You know it. You know it. Well, hey, let's Absolutely. let's shift gears a little bit. I want to talk about you got a couple products that have kind of been taking the the hound world by storm here, and if if people haven't picked this up yet, they need to be finding one. And um, <clears throat> but the first thing you came out with was the stick bow outdoors, and it's called the Hound Log. And uh, we'll post yes, a picture. We'll post a picture of this. Um, on this episode for the for the cover shot but man this is a classy book um yes so so what let's just go through the hound log a little bit and then uh talk about some of the features in it uh talk about and then we'll get into why you know you developed this this book and uh what you think the values are on it because i mean this thing is it's classy it looks it's has a look of leather, leather bound. So, I mean, this is a classy deal. So let's go through some of these features on, in this book, or you want to tell a story of how you, let's talk about why you, why you developed this thing. I think that's the best way to get into this, Bart. Okay. Um, 
the the reason that we come up with a, that I come up with a hound log was, uh, you know, I've always kept up with my hounds, either in my head or or whatever, uh, for years. And then I started writing stuff down uh, in notebooks, and there's all kinds of notebooks laying around here, and uh, I find them in drawers sometimes and go, "What is this?" And I look through them, and I'm like, "Oh man, here's here's where I recorded all my hunts," you know. Of, of what I did this year, and you know, mm-hmm. so I got to thinking. I was like, you know, it'd be pretty cool to to put all this in format, so I could keep up with it and know what's in here. And uh, I like to keep up with who's doing what in my dogs. You know, I think that's important because a lot of people are in the hound world, and you know this just as good as I do. There, you got to be honest with yourself if you're going to have good dogs. You know, and so I formatted a hound. I formatted a hound log to where step by step you know who started the track and you, you know everything so uh and it's all there and you can look back on it and you can always build off of what you've been going what you've been doing and uh i don't know i just got to thinking about it and i said man this is really neat you know to to do this and i and i knew some other people that were keeping up with their dogs by you know writing stuff down and i guess a lot of people do <coughs> we're, we're seeing that but uh it's just an idea that popped in my head, and I just wrote it all out as as I see it, and how I how I wrote things down before, and that's the way the format come up. Mm-hmm. And and we'll go through some of that. I I'll just comment on that real quick. You know, some of the most uh, effective, successful people keep logs. You know, they keep journals oh, on them on absolutely. their daily daily lives and. You, know, you can go through history, even modern day history, you know, and, and see uh, these people who have been successful in life that have that have kept journals. And uh, that's what I looked at this book as, as a journal of my hunting life. And, yeah. and I get an opportunity to record my hunting life. And then it's, once this book is full, it's going to go on the on the shelf and someday you know, somebody is going to pick that up. One of my ancestors will pick that up, maybe share it with my grandkids someday, uh, something like that. I mean, it's just, uh, it's that good of a quality of book. Yeah. Yeah. But, and journaling, you know, it's, it's great to write, to write things down. We're talking about journaling. Of course, you know, you're talking about the successful people, you know, writing their thoughts down and stuff. And, uh, keeping up with your dogs is just, it's important because you, it, how, do you, how can you not want to know what, let's say, 10 years down the road, you know, and you got a, a, a granddaughter or, or dog out of, out, of a, out of a breeding cross that you made 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. Why not look back and say, hey, what did this dog, you know, you got all this down here and go, you know, look at the traits there, how they, how they bleed into each other or, you know, or it's just stuff to look back on. It, it, it can really help you in your breeding program. It can really help you with, you know, as we were talking earlier about nose, feet, grit, and heart, and brains, you know, and you're writing this stuff down every time you hunt, whether you're catching or not. Well, that's a telltale sign there of what's going on. Yeah, I mean, if, you build, if you're building a breeding program, you talk, you mentioned breeding. If you're building a breeding program around a dog or certain strain of dogs, mm-hmm. uh, and then you're three or four generations into it, and you're watching a pup go, and you think, you know, that reminds me of old smoke yeah and yeah and so now you have something that you can go back to and you can compare 
what was old Smoke doing in 2020 and what's his great-granddaughter Ann doing in 2024? Yeah. And, uh, you know, you know, Houndsman, the, the old saying, the deader, the better. So if we yeah. get, if oh, we yeah. get that good hound, you know, we're like, oh yeah, old Smokey was a dandy. That's what, you know, and now we got, oh, yeah. now we can go back and we, if you're honest about logging this stuff and truly evaluating using this log, this, this log book, every time you go out, then you're going to, you're going to see, you're going to have proof. This is why I am. This is why my breeding program is successful. Here's Smoke, here's Ann. We can compare the two. You can see that she's at the same point in her life as Smoke was or, you know, whatever. And what, what you don't realize and, and, and what's neat about this is, you know, we were talking about Von Plot earlier, you know, how, how his history is recorded. You, were, you know, you look at this hound log book right here, your, your hunting legacy or your hunting history of your dogs, your line of dogs that you, you're hunting, well, you're laying down your history, you know, of, of everything to look back on, you know, and what you built off of. And, you know, it's just, it's just important to me. It's important to me to have that. But it's also important, like you were saying, you know, when you're old and gone or whatever, you know, that your grandkids or somebody that, you know, would really, really appreciate to look back on those hunts and see, see what your thoughts were. Just like we like to look back on all the, forefathers and see what their thoughts are you know yeah. what they did so yeah absolutely. it's the same thing kind of it's not on the same level but i mean it's the same you know what i'm saying i think it can be though i mean i think you're onto something i want to read something and we're not going to go through the book page by page we'll hit the highlights and and stuff like okay. that and talk to uh you know talk about some of the different categories you've got here but you say this real well in your open in your your preface for the book inside the uh, before we even get into it and this is what you wrote. It says, I'm hoping this journal is something you will cherish, something to look back on years down the road to remember the dogs and hunts you've had along the way. Most importantly, my hope is that it will help you make better hounds. That is, a, that is a great paragraph, Bart, because you cover it all right there, what you just said. You know, this book is a quality that, that a person that... that fills this out and uses this should cherish this and look back on it um, and then have something that I can see one day you know my grandkids sitting in my lap and us us looking at this book and talking about hound, hound hunting and and I, I want them to, I want to I want to sneak I want grandkids to be at my house and uh, you know, me come into the living room, and they've they've got my hound log journals and my f uh, photo albums out on the floor, out on the floor, looking through them. You know, that's that's yeah. my legacy, and absolutely. That's why I'm so pumped up and keyed up about about this hound log. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just a legacy to look back on, and you know, you tend to forget things a lot too. And I mean, the deader the better, man. You know, Oh yeah, yeah, that's right. And and uh, you know, I got well, I, well, and I noticed this not too long ago. You know, I was trying to tell my wife a story about uh, I had a dog named Fuss that got killed when he was young, and this has been you know years ago. And I was trying to remember. I was telling her an instance, and I couldn't remember all the details to the story. And I was like, man, if I had it all written down, you know, like I did in, the, in this hound log, you know, I could look back on it and and. and tell you exactly what happened as far as 
you know, him starting to track. And it's very – people don't understand how it really stands out because you can see the progression of a young dog. Not only are you trying to remember, but it's all in writing. You can see the progression of a young dog that's really starting to shine and becoming a leader, you know. And and it's neat to look back on that and 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 build yourself up about that, I guess you could say. Oh, no doubt about that. So, you know, as you go through the, the hound log here, the first first thing that we come to is two pages of instructions here. And I, I thought this was very unique that you put this in here. It shows a lot about your character, Bart. But you want people really? to know, you, you want to you want people to know how to use this hound log. And um, yeah. so the box, it's all it's all, and we'll we'll get some pictures of, of this thing up. Uh, on social media and stuff. I'm sure you've got some too. You can go to, where is your social media page? Why don't you share that with everybody? That's www.stickbowoutdoors.com. Yeah. And it's S-T-I-C-B-O-W. So, but yeah, that's that's the website page there. You can look at, or you can find us on Facebook at Stickbow Outdoors also. And Instagram. Oh, yes. Don't let me forget about Instagram. Thank you, Chris. Yeah. And yeah. Instagram. Stickbow underscore yes, outdoors is your handle yes, on Instagram. So, yeah, you can find it all three places, and you go through different parts, but I just want to talk about some of this stuff a little bit. Um, but you, you go into a lot of detail, and, and, of course, there's a place for the date, location, and then uh, a box for you to write in what dogs you were hunting that day. Um, I'm almost right. I'm almost tempted to get a hound log book for each individual dog, you know, just so that I can keep it straight. But I think you you put put a lot into this thing. But uh, you know, you, on the track record, you can indicate whether it was trailed or rigged. So, yep. it, what's your what's your what's your opinion on what's the difference there between trailed and rigged for people that may not be be familiar with those terms yeah there's you know there's a lot of people i, I hunt both ways you know i, I free cast dogs and walk with them in the woods or you know and and watch them mark a track and start trailing a cold track you know and that's what everybody a lot of bear hunters love to do that you know and a lot of the old school bear hunters you know that's all they know uh that's the way they like to hunt they like to get in the in the thick of things and let the dog work so the trailing part of that right there is watching a dog come across the track you know and uh, beat it out, you know, start trailing on it and until they get the bear jumped and then it's rock and roll time. But, uh, you know, the, the rigging part of it, which is, I, I, I say that's more of the modern day bear hunters, you know, I love it too, you know, riding the roads and whether you got your dog on top of the box or whatever, you know, and they strike a track. Get uh, that epic box shaker. You yeah. Know, oh yeah. Just, thought, yeah. The box so, is coming of, apart. Yeah. We, that's right. We always say, man, we're just, I just got a strike about turn the truck over. That's right. So, but, you know, you know, everybody loves that. You know, who doesn't like that, you know? And, and I think, you know, I'd say probably 90% of the people hunt that way now. A lot of people do. Around here they do, anyhow. They love to, to rig the roads. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it is a popular a popular way to hunt for sure. But the, the group that I hunt with in West Virginia you know we've got we've got guys that are walkers that's the cool thing about and i'm not going to get way down this rabbit path but hunt with a group good group of guys everybody knows what their job is but um 
there's still guys there that that get out on the ridges and and walk through different areas and and free cast dogs and try to find that track that you'd never strike there aren't any road there any road access so you'd never strike That's a right. barrier there anyway so you might as well get out and That's walk right. it and yeah, you know and when when times get tight here in december you know bears quit coming to the road a lot you know you got to get deep yeah what they're laying and you got to go as we say in their living room and get them jumped up because they're headed down the nastiest place they could be you know because they're smart yep yep so you've got a you got a box in here for the dogs and and then you've got a a, a larger box to comment on the track details so yes, sir. what are some of the things that that you would you designed it so when you designed that box what were you what do you have in mind for track details uh track details you know we're talking about rigging a bear and you know to me there's there's two different kinds of rigging a bear and uh i call it a wind strike or, or a hot track that the bears cross the road you know and uh so you know you could put some details down there to you know let's just say for instance i to rig this bear well you can write down you know but she went 350 yards up the side of the mountain before she ever opened you know it's a good mm -hmm. wind strike is what i call it you know and, uh you can really you know write down what what kind of strike it was or you know as far as the the rigging the, the trailing details the same thing we was talking you know you just i love to to know what dog can beat that track out if, it, if it's trailing you know and you can always see who's shining out that you know it takes a pretty good dog to to be the cold trail out and have brains enough to figure it out to to get it jumped you know and so it's just a place that it's several things you could write there it just depends on what happens you know? right right i like that go ahead i was just going to say i really like that comment about you know you get that rig strike you put down on it and your dog goes up the mountain or down the mountain or you know into the wind or downwind or or how far they, right. how far they go to uh to actually get to the point where they can open on that track and work it yeah and i mean that's it's phenomenal it's, it's just amazing to me to watch a dog work like that you know uh to be able to use that nose or that ability of of staying in the wind enough to get up there to where the track's at i mean it's you think about that that's amazing yeah you know to yeah. be able to smell like that so it yeah. takes a takes a good rig dog to do that yeah then you got a box about hunt details kind of give you you know an overview maybe list who was with you uh yep who else was hunting with you that day maybe some weather conditions that day uh that's one thing yep. that that when i was a working canine handler in law enforcement we had to record the weather for every track and that gave us yep. the ability to see where our dogs were uh, in different weather conditions and that so that that could be some place you put that in there um, the important notes maybe maybe that's where you record the weather but the hunt details and uh, I really like well, I don't, I'm gonna jump I, I don't want to jump ahead who struck it, who struck it first you know who started the race what's the difference between that Bart who struck it first? Who started the race? Tell me what you were thinking there. Well, you know, I've I've seen this over the years, and I haven't been able to figure it out yet. And maybe you can help me, Chris. <laughs> maybe you have an answer. Nobody nobody else has had an answer yet, though. Know. But you know, I've seen dogs that can rig a track like we're talking about, and they can go up there and get that track out of out of the woods, whether it's five hundred yards or 
thousand, whatever it is, you know, they can win that and go up a mountain to get it started. But I've also seen the case where you got a dog in a truck that doesn't strike, but can out trail that rig dog, you know, and I've always scratched my head going, I don't understand how that dog doesn't strike, but this dog can strike, but the other dog can out trail. <laughs> Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. You know, yeah. and that's always mind boggled me, uh, completely. So a lot of times, you know, I've, uh, I've got a truckload of dogs and a lot of, most of them will strike pretty good, you know, but you know, the one that strikes first isn't always the one that starts to track. That's mm-hmm. what I was trying to say. So, you know, I was just trying to cover all aspects there. Right. Yeah, I can relate to that. I, that uh, young plot male I've got, Cajun, you know, he's he's a very good strike dog uh, and a very good rig dog. He'll, he'll strike out of the rig. He's going to be pretty phenomenal at it. Uh, right. But here's the deal. You know, he's striking that. He's he's opening his mouth as soon as he smells scent. Uh, but I put him on the ground. He's not sure what to do with it after he, after he, you put those other dogs on the ground. They may have not been opening. You may need to, you know, check your thermals and different stuff like that. But uh, those other dogs know to fire out and start looking for that track based on, oh, yeah. you know, dogs learn off of, off of repetition, watching, place, you know, all that sort of stuff. So they know that if a dog opens his mouth, that and then that rig stops, and then that tail, somebody's getting out of this truck, and it's time to go look for that's a track. Right. So I think that's where yeah. you might have a phenomenal rig dog there that, that hadn't put all the pieces together yet to know where to look for a track. A good hound, I think, knows where to look for a track. You know? Yeah. Yeah. According to weather conditions, you know, high humidity, low humidity, <clears throat> what the thermals are doing, so they know where to go to look for that track. But that takes a lot of time and experience. You know, a dog that's rigging something out of the truck, they're just catching scent off the game and bang, they're opening their mouth. That's right. And you, you notice, you know, a lot of times, like you were talking, you know, you drop the dog on the road and they can't, they can't figure out which way to go or can't smell it, you know, even though they did strike. You know, a good dog, most of the time you're, your veterans or the ones that's got it in them, I call it, but uh, they'll, as soon as they hit the road, you can see them rock that head back, you know, and put that nose in there and start running up down the road trying to, you know, yeah. catch that scent to where, you know, and I call it going and getting it, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll go get it, you know, once they figure it out. And that's something, you know, even though the young dog might have smelled that, when it hits the road, it kind of, it kind of jumbles them a little bit to where well, they don't have the experience yet to go, you know, where'd that right. come from? Yep. So, and the or the confidence, or the confidence yeah. to get out there and bust yeah. in there and, and grub it out, you know, and, and, uh, there's a lot going on in that hound's, in that hound's head when he smells Absolutely. that scent. You know, it's stuff that we, we think we understand, but if we understood all of it, I mean, it'd blow our mind how much they're oh, processing. Yeah. They, we have to get out a wind checker to check thermals. I really truly believe that that a good experienced hound, because I've watched them do it. I've watched them dive off into the into the bush. You're like, why did they go that way? And then you get your wind checker out and you you give it a puff, and and boom, the thermals are moving that way. The reason they went that way is because they know if I keep my keep my head in the wind or the thermals here, then I'm got I've got a better chance of cutting this track somewhere down there. Absolutely, you know. The best way I've ever heard it explained was 
uh, I read this somewhere one time, and it was a it was an ex canine officer um, that wrote this. Was you know when you come in in the evening from hunting or work or whatever, and you walk in and your wife's got a pot roast in the crock pot with you know, and you go, man, that smells good. You know, it smells really good, and uh, it excites you that, to know that you're going to eat that. But if the dog walks in, he goes, man, what kind of perfume is that? Oh, I smell that. Oh, I smell carrots, potatoes. Yep. Roast so, beef. How, much, how much potatoes. celery did you put in that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, you know, it's pretty neat the way a dog works like that. You know how how you're saying how you know they can just smell. It's yeah. Amazing. They walk in the, the the dog walks in. It's like that could use a little more pepper, you know, and he's never, yeah, he's never even yeah. tasted it. He just knows that's how, that's how good their nose is. Yeah. That's, I think a lot of times if, if, if we got good dogs, we just let them work instead of us trying to work him. <laughs> we'd be a whole lot more successful. That's an interesting thought right there. And you can do yeah. that. You can get that down and think of, you know, prove that to yourself by using this hound ball. There's no doubt about it. You know, if you if you watch, this will help you build confidence in your pack. Uh, you know, build confidence yeah. in individual dogs. If you're if you're a coon hunter, you know, there's still a, there's still a use for this journal that you can you can get a lot of use out and evaluate that. So, oh, uh, absolutely. And you know, the way it's formatted, it's for you know we have. I don't want to jump ahead of you at all. You might want to explain this later on in our conversation. But you know, it's for anybody that's got any kind of trailing hound or or coyote hunter, or, you know, or hog hunter, or, you know, it's formatted for all of them. Yeah. So, yeah. Fox for hunter, sure. whatever you want to put there. Yeah, if you're turning a dog loose in pursuit of game, you need to have a hound log journal. Uh, Absolutely. So I, I would re highly recommend it. Let's, observation. This is where we get down to the nitty gritty. This is the part, this is a truth part. This is a truth box right here. This is it. We're going to find out whether we can be truthful about a dog or not. But you got a you got a yeah. box in here called observation needs work. It's easy, and then the second half of that box is shows potential. Yeah, I think I think I could be a lot more honest. Maybe not as honest. I don't know. Shows potential. I'm going to fill that box out, you know, and I'm going to be. I may even be optimistic about it. Too optimistic. Be tempted to to. Uh, be a little too optimistic about which dogs are showing potential but uh that yeah. needs work box man that's that's a gut check and that's the honesty but that's the truth box right there yeah and that's a big truth pill to swallow that you know none of us like to do you know a lot of times but you know if you're raising dogs and raising good dogs and you have to be honest with yourself first and foremost so yep it's tough and a lot so, of times some days you want to leave that blank you know because <laughs> you fall in love with a dog you know and so you just gotta gotta be honest you know i think if we're honest all the way around we just did the podcast last week about you know self-leadership about learning to develop leadership within us and that takes a person that can be honest with themselves but uh, a dog a dog never stops developing you know people no. We talk about started dogs. We talk about pups. We talk about started dogs. We talk about finished dogs. But a dog shouldn't be finished until the day he dies. That's uh, right. Yeah, they're all they're, they're just like us. They learn something new. Yeah, all the time. So, so if if you know you could have an A one top top hound 
that uh, is a leader. And I mean, he's a proven game catcher, but I guarantee you a person that's honest will look at, if you can, if you can find one thing to improve in that dog each time you go out and then concentrate that on that, this will give us the ability to do that on needs work. You know, you put, put the name Joe dash was a little, you know, had a few too many loses today you know, track losses yeah. today or opened a little too much on track or, you know, whatever it is, we got to be, yeah. we've got to be honest right there. So it's not just for the pup. This is for every dog. That's right. And it's also showing you what you need to focus on with that dog, mm -hmm. you know, the, to work with them, like you're saying. So yeah, yep. maybe, it, maybe. Brings it, it, it brings it to light. shall we say, yeah, yeah. Maybe he was, maybe he was, uh, a little bit growly towards another male dog and it's something you need oh, to, yeah. you need to keep you need to keep an eye on you know make a note of it right here it needs work keep an eye on joe you know he, yeah and you know you think about it you know a lot of this stuff is going why in the world but i want to write that down when i keep it in my mind i'm telling you sometimes when you're hunting things fly through your mind you know and you don't always you know the race is on or you forget a lot you forget more than you think you do you know over over a period of time or in the hunt or whatever, you know, so yeah, you need to write stuff down. At least I do anyhow. Yeah, my wife is the only one that doesn't have to write stuff down. She can Yeah, she, they don't forget anything. No, she can she doesn't get hysterical when she gets mad, she gets historical. <laughs> you know, she starts you remember back in nineteen eighty six, Chris. That's right. <laughs> I told you this one time and I'm like, how in the world you got some yeah. issues. You dwell. You, you focus on the negative here. Let's talk about all the good. <laughs> that's right. That's right. No. Let's talk about how great of a guy I really am. Honey. That's Come exactly. On, that's what, what I really want to talk about. You know. Uh, but uh, I'm sure that most of it is some. Some. I'll just. I'll be honest with you. Some of it is is well deserved. I wouldn't say most. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, most of the time they're right. And the faster you learn it, the better off you are. <laughs> yeah, we we don't want to make a we don't want to make a husband log. That's for sure. The husband log. No. No, don't be. Lord have mercy. Man. Yeah, we can't. We wouldn't be able to be friends if you do that. No. Uh. -uh. Yeah. No. No, sir. So no. we go through here, and and uh, here we we get to the one of the last boxes, and it's uh, final thoughts and goals, and that that really kind of uh, intrigued me. You know, a person that can set goals is yeah. somebody that is somebody that's that's got their act together. You know, uh, yes, somebody sir. that that can set goals and then work, have that personal dis discipline to work towards those goals. Uh, I thought that was that box was huge. I really did. I thought that was a cool box there. So, what are some of the goals that that you've been able to document or? Uh, and then and then follow through on because of this book, Bart. Uh, well, I'm a firm believer, and and uh, you become what you believe, and uh, you know, and I, I think it's that that's an aspect aspects of life. But uh, this book has really helped me far as writing those goals down about just creating a a solid pack of hounds uh, by being honest with myself and believing. In myself does that make sense mm -hmm. <laughs> you know because it takes a lot of work uh that's kind of a tough question to answer there you asked me but uh 
I don't ask the softball questions. I'm, I'm going to challenge you. <laughs> I, so, go ahead. I was just going to say I can see myself, you know, writing some goals down for me too here. You yeah, know, absolutely. When I was in Idaho, yeah, when I was in, I had a wake up call in Idaho here a couple, a few weeks ago. Uh, we were out there bear hunting and, uh, uh, the guy I was hunting with, Larry Anderson, his wife, Jamie, was taking pictures of us. And I was wearing a Houndsman XP t-shirt. And uh, it was the short sleeve t-shirt. And I looked at the pictures and I, I looked at that and I thought, who is that fat guy? <laughs> you know, and I thought, man, you have got to start. And I wasn't struggling in the mountains, but I wasn't tearing it up either. Uh, yeah. At one time, at one time, I really believed that I, you know, and I, I have, I, I hung with anybody that could, could walk, and uh, that's for right. Marine Corps stuff. But, you know, I've gotten lazy the last three or four years. So, you know, I lost seven pounds just in a week out there, just by after I saw those pictures, I thought, man, you're going to stop shoving food in your face, and. Uh, and start getting with it. And then since I've been back, I'll be back out there. I've, I've dropped uh, 10 pounds so far and uh, just from working out every day. But that's, that was the truth box for me right there was like, who is that fat old guy and how, how much is that affecting your hunt? So it's not just about recording things in the log for my dogs. It's also, what do I need to improve to be a better houndsman in this box? And we could probably all write patients down there. Yeah. Uh, big time. But, you know, that's huge. You know, and like we were just talking, you know, you just, it's not just for your hounds. It's not for just you. You know, it's it's what you can do to become a better houndsman. And I guess you can, you know, because you're the, you're the shepherd of your flock when you come to your, your pack. So, you know, you got to, you got to see what needs to be worked on, what's not working out. Uh, what are your goals, you know, to write down as a future houndsman or what you what you want to be better at, you know, and that's kind of what that box is for, just to, to write down what you want to see in your dogs, whether mm-hmm. it's, you know, you know, do I want better trailing, do I want better rig dogs, do I want better, you know, whatever dogs, you know. Uh, it just all depends on what you're looking for in your pack. So that's what that big thing was there about the goals and, you know, and if you write that down, it, it brings it to life. Like I said before, you are what you, you know, you become what you believe. And if you, if you write that down and set that as a goal to work on that, then if you're serious about it, you'll, you'll get after it. Just like you're talking there about, uh, losing weight, you know, you got serious about it. And once you got serious about it, it things started happening, you know? Right. Right. And I, it's not that I'm morbidly obese, you know, I'm 51 years old. <laughs> I'm not what I was when I was when I was 35 by any stretch, but uh, you know things are a little softer than they used to be. It's a little harder to get there, and, and uh, uh, you know it's just uh, little muffin tops coming over the top of the belt. And but uh, I just it had sure to, does taste good, though, doesn't it? Oh man, you know my <laughs> wife, my wife put she'll bake that pineapple upside down cake, and I just I can't take it. Got to eat it. Oh. I, if it, I've always said if it's a man out there that doesn't like to eat, something's wrong with it. That's right. That's so, right. 
No, but I just I it, and it could apply to whatever whatever you need to improve your in in your life. You know, yeah. Maybe one of your goals is to find uh, find new hunters. You know, to to recruit new hunters. Need to share this experience with a new hunter. Uh, you know, yeah. it can be, you can put this is when you get this book, you can make it your own and and put whatever you want in there. But I think the key. Oh, yeah. What would you say the key is to having a successful logbook? One that's truly useful. What's the key to having a successful logbook? Yep. What makes this worthwhile? Honesty. There you go. That's I was I'm so glad you said that. I was I was trying to set that up for you, but I agree with you. You gotta be honest. Yes, sir. Honesty. And that's you have to be. I mean, you know, you have to be. And, and we've all, and I'm not uh, belittling anybody or anything, but everybody's been around the guys that you've hunted with going, man, I tell you, old Joe right there, he's a heck of a dog. He's this, that, and the other. And you're standing there looking at him going, I ain't seen that dog do anything, you know. And and it's because a lot of times people aren't honest with themselves about their dog. Mm-hmm. It's all about, it's all about, you know, you spend so much time and so much money and so much, effort and so much hard in the, to building a pack of dogs if you're if you're serious about it then why not be honest with yourself about it and achieve your goals that you want to achieve you know mm-hmm. but there you just got to push forward and some of it's going to be hard you got to sacrifice some things you know yeah yeah well i think this is a, a really cool uh really cool piece of gear i think it's an essential that needs to be on the on the dash or in the console of every hound rig so that it can be be utilized like that but i can tell you that if if you're the type of person that can't be honest with yourself and can't be honest about your dogs then yeah you don't need to buy this book you need to buy maybe some self-help books first and then get a <laughs> yeah. sti- then get a stick bow hound log journal uh, or right. hound, hound log. So, um, but you got another book coming out too, and you you and we spend a lot of time talking about this. I just since the other one's not in production yet, can you just give us a brief uh, overview of that book? I uh, yes, sir. It, it should be here towards the end of August. It should be on the market. Uh, we just got our our pre-orders. We did get. Uh, 45 of them in yesterday, actually, early, so we could send out the pre-orders. But this is called the Canine Records, mm-hmm. and uh, this is totally different. But uh, this book here, it's got 25 male pages and 25 female pages. And then it's got in the back, it's got a note section. But each one of these pages have a date of birth, the breed of the dog, the name of the dog. It's all the information for each dog, male or female, that you have as far as vaccines, uh, deworming, uh, heat cycles, uh, what you crossed, if you bred the dog, what you crossed it with, there's stuff on the back for litter information, how many puppies, how many puppies you had. I mean, it's completely detailed for each individual dog. And, you know, you need to keep up with that stuff because, again, you know, I, we try to. You need to keep a schedule of your of your deworming and and heat cycles. Who in the world has missed heat cycles in their life? I know I have. 
I've got a fe- I've got a female that's ornery about heat cycles. She's real quiet during yeah. heat cycles. And every year coming into spring, I'm like, eh, you know, when did she come in last year? Yeah, uh, yeah. Some of the yeah, best hounds. Yeah. Some of the best hounds, when I know, you know, they keep. I know a guy that's got stacks of calendars that he just keeps on his dogs, you know, and he writes his heat cycles and he writes all that stuff down on a calendar. But this this new uh, book that you're coming out with gives something that's a little easier to to record that information and design for that. Absolutely, and I can't wait to get my hands cool on thing, one. The cool thing about it too is, you know, each year you have to start a different page, you know, then and because you know your rabies and vaccinations and all that stuff but uh what's cool about it is all the history is down about this dog this one individual dog uh what's cool about it is if you ever sell a dog or, or anything like that you can this it's made to where you can unclip this binder and send the paperwork with the new owner oh say hey this is you know so that's pretty neat also you know that they can go with them the dogs the dog's papers can go with them I'm gonna throw something out there. If you're, if you're, I'm gonna throw that something out here to every person that's listening to this. If you're, if you're a breeder, if you're gonna raise a litter, how much, how much is that? How much is that book, Bart? What's your $27.99. Okay. Every person that's gonna raise a litter of puppies should buy the potential customer a book, a log book, and send it with that puppy. Absolutely. Yeah. It's a small investment. One of the biggest, one of the things I hate the most about raising puppies is them going somewhere and them not getting hunted or them not getting the fair shake. When people, Absolutely. When people start log, logging things and, and you put that into... This this puppy's success is so important to me that I want to send this book with you, and I, I want yeah. I want you to take, keep track of it. I think I think that's the next level for for people and houndsmen across the United States. So I'm just throwing the challenge out there. The next the next litter of puppies I raise are going to come with a hound log book, and they're going to come the canine records. Yeah, yeah. And what's neat too on the female page. You know, we have all the heat cycles and vaccinations and everything. And right underneath it at the bottom, it's got litter information if you bred the dog. Mm-hmm. And, uh, of course, and it's got what the litter, what the cross was made, and what the what those parents were, were out of. And then underneath there, it's got uh, each shot you give the dog, uh, all the shots, deworm. And then it's got uh, where the puppy goes. And write down, and on the back it's got two uh, note sections for your cross reflections to have the cross turned out. So mm-hmm. it's really de- it's really detailed, and you know, and it's it's really needed. It's really needed to keep keep track of things like that. That'd be so cool. You know, I I come down there, and you've got a plot plot dog down there, and I I managed to talk you out of one of them. You know, I've seen him run a bear, and. Yeah. I'll give you a million dollars for him and you're going to give me a couple pages <laughs> and and I can start the log from that point and the canine records from that point and just carry it forward. Yes, sir. 
That'd be awesome. Yep, and we sell, yeah, we sell refills also, you know, because it comes with 25 females and 25 males. But you know, after you fill that up, or it's, the binders made to last forever. But you know, the the uh, the refills for the the logs are are you can buy you can purchase them as you go. So it's pretty neat, you know, and uh, I'm just thankful I had that idea, you know, and that was that was kind of brought to my attention by several people that I should do that and I, the more I got to thinking about it I was like man you know this this is probably really would be good for all houndsmen anybody that owns a dog that you know I don't care if you got German short hair parent pointers to beagles to if you're raising lads you know whatever it'll work for it's it's all across the board for anybody that's a breeder or owns dogs mm-hmm yes sir man what a what a yeah these are a couple of great products Bart I'm I'm really glad that uh, I'm glad that you came up with this. And I've heard people talk about, you know, you ought to develop an app for a phone and you ought to do this other stuff. But, you know, the, the Dead Sea Scrolls that, that document the history of mankind and, and the Bible. Yes, sir. You know, they're still around. Yeah. I don't know where they're my... They're still around. I don't know where... You know, I've got photographs on uh, the old disc... Uh, for my computer that I can't put in anything anymore. They're trapped on that disc forever or I've lost them uh, or the computer yeah. crashed or whatever. And those things are gone forever. But I've got books yeah. that I had when I was a kid or I've got books that, that were my grandfather's or my great-grandfather's. Uh, these things can last if, I mean, yeah, they're not, they're not bulletproof. You can't throw them out in the yard and expect to be able to use them uh, after a few rainstorms. And it, but this can be something that can be around for a long time. You know, computer glitches Absolutely. and le you know, uh, computer crashes and and things like that aren't going to wipe out your logs. That's right. It's that you know, there's nothing wrong with simple life, Chris. There's, you know, there's nothing wrong with being simple. <laughs> you know, it's it's I'm, like you said, the Dead Sea Scrolls. It's I've been for years. Yeah, I've been simple my whole life. <laughs> Me too. I don't have. Hey, I don't have any choice. <laughs> <laughs> I don't either. I can't help it. <laughs> He's a simple guy. Yeah, that's right. Well, Bart, why yes, don't sir. you uh, why don't you uh, tell the audience again? Tell them again where they can find these two books. Uh, at www.stickbowoutdoors.com, or you can go on Facebook at our page, and you can shop there, and uh, it'll take you step by step to. To, to purchase. Yep. I would highly recommend you, you you do visit the Facebook page. I know you put a lot of videos up there uh, and yes, different sir. things, promotional uh, pictures and videos of these two products. I encourage everybody to take a look at them and consider upping your game and, and becoming a more complete houndsman by having some, you know, collect this actual data with through through an honest lens record that write it down and i promise it will make you a better houndsman there's no way around it if you're if you're honest and you're you're disciplined to to log your hunts i can't see how it couldn't make you a better houndsman bart me neither me neither i think in, and it'll end up you'll end up catching more game 
you'll end up having a better time. You'll get more pleasure out of your hounds because now you're, you're putting a little organization into a chaotic world. And, uh, That's right. I can't see how it couldn't, I, I can't see how it couldn't make you a better houndsman by, by having some discipline and being honest. Me neither. I think it's, it's just, it's good all the way around. Yeah. Yeah. It's well, positive. Bart, you got any, we're going to wrap this thing up and, uh, I, I can't tell you how thankful I am. Uh, we'll put some stuff in the pre-roll about, about stick bow outdoors. But I'm glad we got to know each other, and, and uh, you, you're sponsoring the uh, Houndsman XP podcast, we'll, and, and I really appreciate all that. But I appreciate your time today to come on and, and talk, to, uh, talk to the Houndsman across the United States and across the world. I really do. Absolutely. I appreciate the opportunity, and, and uh, appreciate you uh, investing your time and also for this. So I appreciate it. It's very painful. Yeah. Well, you got any final thoughts for the houndsmen out there? Sir? Did you hear me, Bart? No, sir. Go ahead. What did you say? I said, I said did, do you have any final thoughts for the houndsmen out there that are listening? Oh, absolutely. Uh, just want to tell everybody thank you for the support. And, you know, the support has been uh, – and uh, – just keep being honest with yourself and 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 it's okay to write things down and, and be simple and uh it's just it's just something you'll treasure forever you know and it'll help you build your pack that's why we have the hand log and uh we look forward to getting to know some of you guys and uh just want to thank you great good stuff bart well bart i'm going to try to get out to virginia this year and chase a bear with you if you if you'll have Come me on. out that way all right there we go Absolutely. Hey, we'll feed you good while we're out here. That ten pounds you said you lost, I'll make sure you put it back. That's a problem. I like good. I look, like good home cooking. You know. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt. Uh, but we'll get out there and we're, we're going to put down on bear track. And whatever happens, Bart, you follow your hounds and I'll follow mine. <laughs>